Hey guys, it's Alex Powell here with another episode of the Real Estate Leadership and Legacy Podcast. Today we are going to be talking about the part two of our previous episode when we were talking about uh, di- discovering what cities are good cities to invest in. So we'll be, we uh, in our previous episode, we broke down the five key elements of looking at what a city would be. Uh, or, or what economic indicators would present a city to be a good investment to invest in. Now, this process, this whole 10 steps between the city and the neighborhoods, which the neighborhoods is what we're going to be talking about today, this was developed by a gentleman by the name of Neil Bawa. He's got a website called multifamilyu.com. Awesome information on that website. He talks about the fundamentals that we need to look at when we're determining where we should invest because, of course, we are sophisticated investors. We need to, to quote my friend Don Campbell, we need to look behind the curtain. If any of you guys remember from the rain days, he was the the gem that would give us the insights that we could be like, okay, what is the market doing right now? What part of the real estate cycle are we in? Are we in a boom right now? Are we in a slump? Are we actually recovering? And I think this is where the confusion is lying for a lot of people. So over the next few episodes, we're going to be delving into more of the economics behind why things are happening in the markets right now. We're going to be diving into deep data so that we can give you guys value so that you guys can make smart decisions. And more so than just giving you the value, I want to be able to understand where to get the value from. So where do we find this data from? You know, how do we know it's accurate? And once again, I talked about it in my last podcast too. We have so much information flying at us from YouTube videos, from influencers here and there about, you know, the market's going to be awesome in 2024 or the market's going to be terrible in 2020. And there's like everyone, this feels nice, right? We should figure out why exactly things are happening in the market. And the first thing to look at is economic indicators. So in the first video, we talked about medium household income. We talked about population growth in that particular city or state. You know, we talked about the changing crime levels, right? Very, very important concept to consider. We talked about 12-month job growth as a percentage of age. Right. So um, and then finally, I think it was uh, medium house and condo values, which, of course, is a very important factor. So that's when we're looking at the city itself. Now, when we take the city, as we know, in the U.S., we can truncate it down into zip codes. You know, we can look at it from a much more finite um, look. And when we do that. There's multiple factors in the states that this is actually where I find a lot of things separate from the U.S. than it does, let's say, here in Ontario. Depending if you're investing in Ohio or Ontario, you know, I could be investing in Hamilton or Columbus to kind of create a comparison. And I find that Hamilton has more of a blend in terms of its neighborhood. Part of that is because that you don't have as much data and there's not as accurate data as the U.S. has. It seems like the U.S. just measures everything and it's so it's very readily available and is very good and it helps us make educated decisions here in hamilton like being a, a integrated part of you know the the uh the city and I, I part of the hustle and bustle i get a, a feel for it and i get a bit of a pulse for it which makes me a you know a, a person that can speak confidently about the different areas of hamilton like for example the north end is going to be a lot different than you know the west mountain or ancaster or whatever you want to call it i can talk about these different areas very confidently just based on being part of this market however if 
I want to actually see some data. And we're going to delve into like what can we extract in a different video, of course, uh, from the different markets here in Hampton. Because, of course, there is data. And we're going to pour into that and look into that a little bit more. However, in this particular situation, we're going to take a uh, subdivision, I would call it, or a zip code within uh, Columbus. And we're going to analyze it. We're just going to say, you know, based on what we're seeing, is this good or is it bad? Or, you know, what can we... What can we redact from the information that that Mr. Bawa has presented for us? Okay. Once again, I'm going to put a link in the show notes here for his university. You know, big shout out to him as well for providing this information. I love it when people provide raw value than just providing opinions based on nothing. So once again, huge shout out, and we're going to be impl- uh, implementing a lot more of this into our our discussions and our topics here. As we're as the podcast starts to flourish, all right. So let's dive right into it. Um, I don't have a a great transition set up here yet, so you guys are gonna have to bear with me while this takes place. But hopefully, everyone can see it here. Perfect. So you know, we as I mentioned, we talked about the first five indicators from the city, but now we are going to delve in a little bit deeper. And I just kind of picked a neighborhood out of a map. Um, and, and the one that I came up with actually here was Dublin. Um, uh, wait, not this one. Sorry. Where are we here? So scrolling up to the top here. Yeah, Dublin, Ohio. So the zip code is 43017. And once again, this was – I'm just picking one, uh, you know – out of a out of a hat. There's no strategy to this or whatever. We're just going to start to analyze data in terms of we're looking at a map. We're seeing properties that we think that the price points might be okay. Let's look at that neighborhood. Let's see what it, you know where it stands across the spectrum of different neighborhoods in in uh, in Columbus. Okay. So the first indicator that they present is medium household income. And what what Mr. Bow is saying here is that your income should be between or the medium household income should be between forty and seventy thousand dollars for cash flow and rentals, and so um, or just, sorry, just in general for cash flow and rentals, they're saying about fifty-five to ninety thousand. So that just increases the the medium household income a little bit. But in general, one of our criteria to invest in that particular neighborhood should be between you know forty to seventy at a bare minimum. Okay. What they were saying actually is it's interesting. If the income is too high in these neighborhoods, what'll end up happening is, of course, your cap rates will be much lower. That's kind of obvious. So if the price point of the property is too high, then you're not going to be able to cash flow as much, and henceforth your net operating income will decrease. You know, and then that's you know uh, that's just a given. Right. So let's take a look at this. So once again, we are looking at CityData.com, and I, I found after. Try, trying this out for a little bit. The easiest way to go, just go about doing this was just to click here and median household income. All right. So I can search here. So medium household income in 2021. So if we're looking at our zip code itself, it's 121,000. So now this this video that Mr. Bauer did that I'm reflecting off of, this was back in 2019. So we have had some years. We have had inflation take its toll. You know, we've had increase in in, uh, in uh, income levels of the average person. However, despite all this, it is fairly high comparative 
comparative to the rest of Columbus, let's say, just from myself having done research, this is pretty high. So, you know, if we're looking at this, we could likely see that the property values in these areas will also likely be much higher, right? And this is when we're starting to look at comparatively, would this be the best place for us to invest? Maybe. I think that, uh, you know, having high house- household income would be great. However, you're also going to be wanting to look for deals that are substan- like discounted deals. So we can look at, you know, our wholesalers giving us opportunities in these areas. Are there dilapidated houses that we can do a value-add strategy to help improve the value of the home so that we can capitalize on rents without needing to carry as much debt to cover it so that we can still cash flow substantially? So these are things that I would think about. If I, I would love to buy based on, you know, if I have high, high household income, this is a good indicator for me. Um, however, I want to be cognizant of the fact that the property values in this area may be higher than the surrounding area. And maybe there's a more emerging market that I can get into, hold for a longer period of time and wait. All right. So that's number one. Number two is medium rent. So they're saying that the medium rent should be between $700 and $1,000 a month. If you go too low, below six fifty, it's just not great. And on the flip side, if you go above a thousand, you you know it's also not particularly great. Then your property values once again are too high. They did preface that you know for metropolitan areas, you can increase that value. Of course, if there's uh, you know just a higher demand for rental housing, we're going to push that price up. You know, uh, Austin, Texas, they're going to have higher rents than this just because it is more of like a metropolitan type city, and they're going to demand higher rents. But same thing here. If we look at at our our, uh, our rental rental rates, just do a little find rental. Rent. Let's just look here. Medium gross rent. Okay, one second here. Oh, this is in Columbus. We want to, sorry, we want to see Dublin. So let's just look at rent here. Gross rent. Okay, gross rent, 1357. Wow. So we're looking at, once again, higher than that threshold. Right. So you're going to have in the event of a market downturn or in the event that um, rents decrease, areas like this will get hit harder than when you're within that buffer range because it's kind of a safety net of where you should be. Right. However, you know, once again, Columbus, the valuations of properties have been increasing steadily. I'm sure these things are going to be improving over time. Right. So we got to keep these things in consideration and make sure that, of course, we're buying smart. And we're always buying for cash flow, right? Remember that the golden rule in real estate is you make money on the buy. That's rule number one. We never, ever falter from rule number one. However, the second rule is you always buy for cash flow. You don't buy for the hope and prayer of appreciation. You buy for cash flow. Always buy for cash flow and you make your money when you buy the property. Okay, so the next one we are going to be looking at is unemployment. So it's interesting, uh, back when we were looking at population, same kind of thing, we Googled population, we can look at unemployment rates simply by just Googling Columbus, Ohio unemployment rate. So if we're looking across Columbus, we're about 2.8%. It's actually gone down. So you can see that the job growth that's taking place in Columbus is actually taking its toll um, in the stats here. So 2.8% is the threshold. And what we're saying that is that for unemployment rate, 
that particular area should not be more than 2%. Uh, it should not be higher than 2% of the overall city's unemployment rate. So if our unemployment rate in Columbus is 2.8% at this time, then Dublin, Ohio and Columbus or Dublin within Columbus, that neighborhood should not be 4.8 or higher than 4.8, if that makes sense. So if we look here, one second, unemployment, right now it's sitting at 3.2. So we are within the, the threshold. In fact, we're uh, we're well within the threshold. So that's once again, a very, very positive indicator. All right. So you can see how easy it is to search a lot of this data. Uh, and despite the fact that a lot of this data is from what we're seeing, like, you know, a few years ago now, we're looking for long-term trends. And we, like, once again, we'll be doing a dive into how we can find more up-to-date information as well, but we're just looking for consistent trends. Okay. And this is a very, very important thing. Um, <clears throat> Second last, poverty level under 20%, right? So saying at a, on a bare minimum under 20%, but if you are conservative, a little bit more risk averse, then stick with 15%. And the more higher you go on your unemployment or your poverty level, sorry, once again, the more it course correlates with delinquency. So the higher uh, poverty level, the higher delinquency rate, that one's a pretty obvious one. Um, but by the looks of it, based on what we've seen so far, I would almost go and guess that, you know, we're, we're going to see quite a low unemployed, uh, poverty rate. <clears throat> so in our zip code, it's 5.5%. So we are well, well below the 20% range. We're well below the 15% range. In fact, the whole state right now is a 134 Well, as of 2021, that's likely changed. Let's actually just see this quickly. Ohio unemployment rate overall. At 3.6%. So it has steadily gone down from a long-term average is sitting about 6.52. Um, but currently the unemployment rate is sitting about 3.6 across Ohio in general, which is quite quite good actually. So I'm curious as to this uh, whole state when is um, well, this is the poverty level, sorry, not the unemployment level. Let's Ohio poverty level, sorry. 13.4%. Okay. So that makes a little bit more sense. I was like, wow, they've really improved. So, but so 13.4%, this is pretty accurate. So this zip code is well below the poverty level uh, for the whole state, uh, which is, you know, of course, good data to, to redact. Last but not least is ethnic mix. And so one thing that that uh, that uh, Neil Bauer mentions in his in his uh, spiel is that it doesn't matter what the ethnic mix is of the individual; it just should not be one ethnic mix. It should have a diverse mix of individual, uh, and that's just an important thing. It shouldn't be all whites, it shouldn't be all blacks, all Hispanics, all whatever. It doesn't matter what the mix is; it should just have a good mix. And at the end of the day, no part of the pie and how they, they illustrate this in, in these, um, in this, you'll see right here, there's a pie chart where they indicate what the ethnic mix is. I mean, the transportation, one second here, I'll just call it mix. Nope. It's not coming up on a, on a quick search here. I might've just gone past it. Bear with me for one moment here. Okay. So here, you know, you can see that 
Whites are, are predominant in this area, 73.4%. We are under that 75% threshold, 11.3% Asian, Asian, 6.1% Hispanic, 5.3% Black, 3.4% two or more races. Um, but you can see it starts to dwindle down. So once again, this mix would pass the test, as in one of the predominant uh, ethnic races is lower than the 75% threshold. So that would check off. But overall, if we're looking across all of these, you know, medium household income, medium rent, unemployment, poverty level, ethnic mix, like these two obviously pass because they're lower. But the ones that are concerning is the medium household income is far exceeding what the threshold is, as well as the medium rent far exceeds what the threshold is. Our unemployment is, once again, passes, poverty level passes, ethnic mix passes, all's good there. So so what I would redact from this is that Dublin is a good place to invest. Just be cognizant of how much you're paying for a property. How, you know, and that, you know, that sounds like a stupid statement. Like you would say that anywhere. However, just in comparison to another uh, area, we could see more appreciation because it might be more of an emerging neighborhood. So, when we look at our three returns on any sort of property, we're looking on cash on cash return, we're looking on mortgage pay down, and we're looking at appreciation. Now, I'm not taking into consideration forced appreciation, but I would think that in this particular kind of neighborhood, your forced appreciation is going to provide you with the best bang for your buck. If you're buying turnkey completed homes in Dublin, I don't think you're going to see as much appreciation as you would in, let's say, a neighborhood that was right next to it that was maybe more of an emerging market based on the spillover from Dublin doing as well as it is. So all this tells me we need to look at things a little bit further, look at properties, but overall, the indications here are great. So if I find a good deal or if the market takes a little bit of a dip, maybe this is why I will target so that we can find good properties as long as I've bought it right and as long as they cash flow, right? So that being said, hope you guys found this helpful. Once again, I'll leave some comments in the show notes below talking about uh, Neil Bawa. Once again, I'd love to have him on our show, talk a little bit about the economics behind things. I think he's just a wealth of information. And you guys should check out his videos too, right? We're always looking for where we can find actual data on certain things, not just news headlines that scream bloody murder or you know that throw you for a tizzy and, and, and cause this fear in the market. The media does it so well, and I find it super frustrating. And now we see a lot of YouTube influencers doing the very same thing where it's like, they're, you know, the, the highlights are just booming. It's like, oh, what do I believe? What don't I believe? What we should believe, we should believe the numbers. So let's learn how to look at these numbers together. Anyway, see you guys on the next uh, next episode.